guess what? It's true. It's true. It's finally charged. The birds are out there and they're singing their pretty songs right now. It's really cute. I will leave the door open but it's still a bit too cold. fall asleep and I go into a trance because I am high. the light is changing so now the camera looks very transparent which is kind of nice I like it yeah hey, let's see how this looks from the other one. You shouldn't have kicked me out from this one. It's BS. Okay. I have a gift for scoring up technology, so I have to walk myself through it when it happens. I think the best I could uh, compare it to is when... <coughs> how autistic people describe when they go into their... You know, loops. And they, you know, something is out of sort and everything else is... Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. So we're reading 1984, and this is part 3 and chapter 4. I'll get right into it, okay? And only take breaks to drink coffee and crack a few jokes, but what would a guru say? Remember, that's always the game. <laughs> he was much better. He was growing fatter and stronger every day, if it was proper to speak of days. The white light and the humming sound were the same as ever. Oh boy. But the cell was a little more comfortable than the others he had been in. There were a pillow and a mattress on the plank bed. And a stool to sit on. Oh wow, a stool. 
they had given him a bath and they allowed him to wash himself fairly frequently in a tin basin. They even gave him warm water to wash with. They had given him new underclothes and a clean suit of overalls. They had dressed his varicose ulcer with soothing ointment. They had pulled out the remnants of his teeth and given him a new set of dentures. Weeks or months must have passed. It would have been possible now to keep count of the passage of time if he had felt any interest in doing so, since he was being fed at what appeared to be regular intervals. He was getting, he was getting, he judged, three meals in 24 hours. Sometimes he wondered dimly whether he was getting them by night or by day. The food was surprisingly good, with meat at every third meal. Once there was even a packet of cigarettes. I do want to remind you all that last century in French prisons they used to kill the inmates by feeding them red meat and wine. And in about a month they were gone. No, I'm giving you it was probably shitty meat and shitty wine. Just want to throw it out there for you. Not my line. I'm just sharing. It's scary. Once there was even a packet of cigarettes. Well, of course, because you want to kill your lungs, right? Of course. He had no matches. But the never-speaking guard who brought his food would give him a light. The first time he tried to smoke it made him sick, but her... <laughs> but he persevered and spun the packet out for a long time, smoking half a cigarette after each meal. They had given him a white slate with a stump of pencil tied to the corner. At first he made no use of it. Even when he was awake, he was completely torpid. Often he would die he would lie from one meal to the next, almost without stirring. Sometimes asleep, sometimes waking into vague reveries. I think it's reveries. I want to check. Reverie, a state of being pleasantly lost in one's thought. I think we already saw that before. I have a slight memory. I already used that word. Sometimes waking into vague reveries in which it was too much trouble to open his eyes. He had long grown used to sleeping with a strong light on his face. Oh God. It seemed to make no difference, except that one's dreams were more coherent. He dreamed a great deal all through this time, and they were always happy dreams. He was in the golden country, or he was sitting among enormous, glorious, sunlit ruins, with his mother, with Julia, with O'Brien, not doing anything, merely sitting in the sun, talking of peaceful things. Such thoughts as he had, had, bleh, as he had when he was awake were mostly about his dreams. He seemed to have lost power of intellect, of intellectual effort, now that the stimulus of pain had been removed. He was not bored. He had no desire for conversation or distraction, merely to be alone 
not to be beaten or questioned, to have enough to eat and to be clean all over was completely satisfying. By degrees he came to spend less time in sleep, but he still felt no impulse to get off the bed. All he cared for was to lie quiet and feel the strength gathering in his body. He would finger himself here and there trying to make sure that it was not an illusion that his muscles were growing rounder and his skin tauter. Finally, it was established beyond a doubt and he was growing fatter. He wasn't chubby again. His thighs were now definitely thicker than his knees. After that, reluctantly at first, he began exercising himself regularly. <clears throat> well, he wanted to be fit for, you know, execution there. In a little while, he could walk three kilometers, measured by pace in the cell, and his bowed shoulders were growing straighter. He attempted more elaborate exercises and was astonished and humiliated to find what things he could do. He could not do. He could not move out of a walk. He could not hold his stool out at arm's length. He could not stand on one leg without falling over. He squatted down on his heels and found that with agonizing pains in thigh and calf, he could just lift himself to a standing position. He lay flat on his belly and tried to lift his weight by his hands. It was hopeless. He could not raise himself a centimeter. But after a few more days, a few more meal times, even that feat was accomplished. A time came when he could, not, he could do it six times running. He began to grow actually proud of his body and to cherish an intermittent belief that his face also was growing back to normal. Only when he chanced to put his hand on his bald scalp did he remember the seemed ruined face that had looked back at him out of the mirror. Jeez. His mind grew more active. He sat down on the plank bed his back against the wall and the slate on his knees and set to work deliberately at the task of re-educating himself. He had capitulated. That was agreed. In reality, as he saw now, he had been ready to capitulate long before he had taken the decision. From the moment when he was inside the Ministry of Love and yes, even during those minutes when he and Julia had stood helpless while the iron voice from the telescreen told them what to do, he had grasped the frivolity, the shallowness of his attempt to set himself up against the power of the party. He knew now that for seven years the thought police had watched them like a beetle under a magnifying glass. There was no physical act, no word spoken aloud that they had not noticed, no train of thought that they had not been able to infer. Even <laughs> the speck of whitish dust on the cover of his diary they had carefully replaced. They had played soundtracks to him, shown him photographs. Some of them were photographs of Julian himself. Yes, even... He could not fight against the party any longer. 
Besides, the party was in the right. It must be so. How could the immortal collective brain be mistaken? <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> By what external standard could you check its judgments? Sanity was statistical. <laughs> it was merely a question of learning to think as they thought. Only the pencil felt thick and awkward in his fingers. He began to write down the thoughts that came into his head. He wrote first in large clumsy capitals, freedom is slavery. Then almost without a pause, he wrote beneath it, two and two make five. Well, he, he will now be your accountant, right guys? But then there came a sort of check. His mind, as though shying away from something, seemed unable to concentrate. He knew that he knew what came next, but for the moment he could not recall it. When he did recall it, it was only by consciously reasoning out what it must be. It did not come of its own accord. He wrote, God is power. He accepted everything. The past was alterable. The past never had been altered. Oceania was at war with East Asia. Oceania had always been at war with East Asia. Jones, Aronson, and Rutherford were guilty of the crimes they were charged with. He had never seen the photograph that disproved their guilt. He had never existed. He had invented it. He remembered remembering contrary things. But those were false memories products of self-deception. How easy it all was. Only surrender. And everything else followed. <laughs> it was like swimming against a current that swept you backwards however hard you struggled, and then suddenly deciding to turn round and go with the current instead of opposing it. Nothing had changed except your own attitude. The predestined thing happened in any case. He hardly knew why he had ever rebelled. Everything was easy except... Anything could be true. The so-called laws of nature were nonsense. The law of gravity was nonsense. Well, you got that one right. If I wished, O'Brien has said, I could float off this floor like a soap bubble. Winston worked it out. If he thinks he floats off the floor, and if I simultaneously think I see him do it, then the thing happens. Suddenly, like a lump of submerged wreckage breaking the surface of water, the thought burst into his mind. It doesn't really happen. We imagine it. It is hallucination. He pushed the thought under instantly. The fallacy was obvious. It presupposed that somewhere or other, outside oneself, there was a real world, where real things happened. But how could there be such a world? What knowledge have we of anything, save through our own minds? All happenings are in the mind. Whatever happens in all minds 
truly happens. He had no difficulty in disposing of the fallacy, and he was in no danger of succumbing to it. He realized nevertheless that it ought never to have occurred to him. The mind should develop a blind spot whenever a dangerous thought presented itself. The process should be automatic, instinctive. Crime stop, they called it in Newspeak. He's had to work to exercise himself in crime stuff. Da 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 da. It has to be like lower. He presented himself with propositions. The party says the earth is flat. The party says that the ice is heavier than water. And trained himself in not seeing or not understanding the arguments that contradicted them. It was not easy. He needed great powers of reasoning and improvisation. The arithmetical problems raised, for instance, by such a statement as two and two make five, were beyond his intellectual grasp. He needed also a sort of Athleticism of mind and ability at one moment to make the most delicate use of logic and at the next to be unconscious of the crudest logical errors. Stupidity was as necessary as intelligence and as difficult to attain. All the while, with one part of his mind, he wondered how soon they would shoot him. Everything depends on yourself. O'Brien had said, but he knew that there was no conscious act by which he could bring it nearer. It might be ten minutes, hence, or ten years. They might keep him for years in solitary confinement. They might send him to a labor camp. They might release him for a while, as they sometimes did. It was perfectly possible that before he was shot, the whole drama of his arrest and interrogation would be enacted all over again. The one certain thing was that death never came at an expected moment. The tradition, the unspoken tradition, somehow you knew it, though you never heard it said, was that they shot you from behind, always in the back of the head, without warning, as you walked down a corridor from cell to cell. One day, but one day was not the right expression, just as probably it was in the middle of the night. Once he fell into a strange, blissful reverie. He, reverie, yes. He was walking down the corridor, waiting for the bullet. He knew that it was coming in another moment. Everything was settled, smoothed out, and reconciled. There were no more doubts, no more arguments, no more pain, no more fear. His body was healthy and strong. He walked easily with a joy of movement and with a feeling of walking in sunlight. He was not any longer in the narrow white corridors of the Ministry of Love. He was in the enormous sunlit passage, a kilometer wide, down which he had seemed to walk in the delirium induced by drugs. He was in the golden country, following the foot track across the old rabbit-cropped pasture. 
He could feel the short springy turf under his feet and the gentle sunshine on his face. At the edge of the field were the elm trees, faintly stirring, and somewhere beyond that was the stream where the days lay in the green pools under the willows. Suddenly he started up with a shock of horror. The sweat broke out on his backbone. He had heard himself cry aloud, Julia, 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 my love, Julia. I'm sorry, <laughs> tomorrow is Valentine's Day, it's kind of fun. For a moment he had an overwhelming hallucination of her presence. She had seemed to be not merely with him, but inside him. It was as though she had got into the texture of his skin. In that moment he had loved her far more than he had ever done when they were together and free. Also, he knew that somewhere or other she was still alive and needed his help. He lay back on the bed and tried to compose himself. What had he done? How many years had he added to his servitude by the moment of weakness? In another moment, he would hear the trump of boots outside. They could not let such an outburst go unpunished. They would know now if they had not known before that he was breaking the agreement he had made with them, he obeyed the party, but he still hated the party. In the old days, he had hidden a heretical mind beneath an appearance of conformity. Now he had retreated a step further in the mind he had surrendered, but he had hoped to keep the inner heart inviolate. He knew that he was in the wrong, but he preferred to be in the wrong. <clears throat> they would understand that O'Brien would understand it. It was all confessed in that single foolish cry. He would have to start all over again. It might take years. He ran a hand over his face, trying to familiarize himself with a new shape. There were deep furrows in the cheeks. The cheekbones felt sharp, the nose flattened. Besides, since last seeing himself in the glass, he had been given a complete new set of teeth. It was not easy to preserve inscrutability when you did not know what your face looked like. In any case, mere control of the features was not enough. For the first time, he perceived that if you want to keep a secret, you must also hide it from yourself. You must know all the while that it is there, but until it is needed, you must never let it emerge into your consciousness in any shape that could be given a name. From now onwards, he must not only think right, he must feel right and dream right. And all the while, he must keep his hatred locked up inside him like a ball of matter, which was part of himself and yet unconnected with the rest of him, a kind of cyst. <laughs> One day, they would decide to shoot him. You could not tell when it would happen, but a few seconds beforehand it should be possible to guess. It was always from behind, walking down a corridor. Ten seconds would be enough. In fact, that in, in that time the world inside him could turn over. And then suddenly, without a word uttered, without a check in his step, without the changing of a line in his face, suddenly the camouflage would be down and bang. Oh, good, the batteries of his hatred. <laughs> Fuck.
I'm sorry, but it's like, can you see it? It's like, I see the cows, you know, as they go down the line and they try and kill them. It's exactly the same thing. Like, people don't see these similarities, and that's crazy. Hatred would fill him like an enormous roaring flame, and almost in the same instant, bang, Ugo the bullet. Too late or too early. They would have blown his brain to pieces before they could reclaim it. The heretical thought would be unpunished, unrepented, out of their reach forever. They would have blown a hole in their own perfection. To die hating them, that was freedom. He shut his eyes. It was more difficult than accepting an intellectual discipline. It was a question of degrading himself, mutilating himself. He had got to plunge into the filthiest of filth. What was the most horrible, sickening thing of all? He thought of Big Brother. The enormous face, because of the constantly seeing it on posters, he always thought of it as being a meter wide. With its heavy black mustache and the eyes that followed you to and fro seemed to float into his mind of its own accord. What were his true feelings toward Big Brother? There was a heavy tramp of boots in the passage. The steel door swung open with a clang. O'Brien walked into the cell. Behind him were the Watson-faced officer and the black uniformed guards. Get up, said O'Brien. Come here. Winston stood opposite him. O'Brien took Winston's shoulders between his strong hands and looked at him closely. You have had thoughts of deceiving me, he said. That was stupid. Stand up straighter. Look me in the face. He paused and went on in a gentler tone. You are improving. Intellectually, there is very little wrong with you. It is only emotionally that you have failed to make progress. Tell me, Winston, and remember, no lies. You know that I am always able to detect a lie. Tell me, what are your true feelings toward Big Brother? I hate him. <laughs> you hate him? Good. Then the time has come for you to take the last step. You must love Big Brother. It is not enough to obey him. You must love him. He released Winston with a little push toward the guards. Room 101, he said. And that's the end of it. <laughs> wow, that took only 26 minutes. Oh, that's okay. We're still gonna break it here, and then we're gonna read the rest in a different one. And uh, just in case, you know, th the next one is super long, which is what I expect. He likes to surprise us. Oh, Brian. What a psycho. Well, he is what a... Psycho narcissist looks like. <laughs> I guess now instead of saying Norris will say, Don't be an O'Brien. But then if someone is named O'Brien, they can take offense, right? <laughs> we should say 1984 O'Brien or something like that. <laughs>
can relax a little bit before you know we move on to the next one. And uh, we have some more fun. The Fufro is uh, very happy right now. She had some pizza, I think. The Art of War is um, is another book that I want to read out, and then I wanted to read Jonathan Livingstone Seagull because for people who are trying to learn to read, that could be an easy read, and it's fun, and it's not long. But there are a lot of good books, and so we can help those who have problems reading. And if you have suggestions, bring them up. And we can chit chat about this stuff, and yeah. Instead of wasting time watching a lot of crap. We can focus on stuff that um, can entertain us, but also see. I find it really funny how he puts in all these flat earth stuff all the time. This animal things, this you know, and a lot of people just ignore all the things. You know, it's like they compare them, one. Oh, I can't say it compartmentalize and they just you know just like my brain glitches with some words yeah same thing they have glitches and they don't see it and uh it's you know that's partially also how mind control works because there's something that bothers them but they don't know what and then eventually they start thinking they are the issue when in fact I believe there is something. So it's uh, interesting. It's interesting for when he wrote this and when you know he said it to happen. Yeah, there's lots of things that I don't know. But hey, let's move on to the next one and see what happens. That's like a deck, I'm trying to make decks now. That sounds like a deck at all. I have one. And that was my dog's old toy. That's what he does. 
But the dogs go nuts when I play it. And after, I guess in the same amount of years we have that thing. It's like over 10 years. Probably like 15 at least. Or more. And it's still working. It's insane. <laughs> I don't know what kind of battery is in there. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder. Anyway, I'll take it out one day and see if it's still working, then I can make you laugh. We'll do a duck ASMR session. <laughs> they are relaxing when they're real sounds. Here, I'll do the, the owl for you, my owl.